Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news every weekday lunchtime on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for the Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Spurs show, a very special Spurs show, because uh, we're live here at the Albany in London. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for coming out. Um, I've got two people sitting with me here at the top table on the stage. Pete Hain is here, formerly of the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust, the host of the famous Tottenham History Walks. Welcome, Pete. Thanks for coming along. And our special guest tonight, I'm delighted to welcome a man who played just under 200 times for Spurs, according to my notes here, between uh, 1993 and 99, uh, and 36 times for Scotland, I think I'm right in saying. Yep, that's right. Mr. Colin Calderwood is here, everybody. Thank you. Welcome, Colin. Great to have you on the Spurs show. Uh, we're going we're to talk about your time at Spurs. We're going to talk about other things either side of that. Um, let's start at the beginning. Okay. You grew up in Scotland, of course, uh, but you went straight into English football with Mansfield Town. How did that come about? Well, where, where I grew up in Scotland is fairly remote, so very similar to what Cornwall would be in England. Oh, right. Whereabouts is that then? Stranraer, southwest Scotland. So okay. the, there's a ferry port that takes you to Northern Ireland. That's probably yeah. 
the most famous uh, thing that it comes in and out of Stranraer. And so the, your capabilities of getting scouted by anyone is, is rare. And with it being a provincial um, county, we didn't do particularly well in Scottish Cups or uh, underage group, like 14s, 15s in the Scottish Cups. So we were out fairly early. And it was probably when we, we gathered a good team and had a, a half-decent run, and then you start to play East Ayrshire, Glasgow, uh, the Borders, and then you get into the, the sort of territory where you get scouts who scout Scottish talent to bring them into England. Right. And that's what happened, right? Uh, yes. So the, the, what happened was I had a chance to go to Ipswich, Bobby Robson's Ipswich. Oh, right. Uh, there was two of us who were going to go down there. And the day before, well, the week before that was going to happen, we got a phone call to say that they were full. So uh, uh, Disappointing. It was disappointing, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, but the scout said, don't worry, I've got a mate who's a scout for another English team. And that was Mansfield Town. So the difference between Ipswich second, <laughs> yeah. sitting second in the, in the, in the, in the top division yeah. and Mansfield, who were sitting midway in division four, was huge. And that's how I ended up there. So it was, it was a bit of a disappointment. But yeah. you end up where you end up, and that's how I got started. Yeah. So you, you st always um, set your sights on being a professional footballer? Yeah, I think so. It was uh, when you go to the careers teacher at school, and the one thing that my parents instilled in me that I wouldn't go anywhere unless I had half decent exam results. So I got an A level in woodwork. And uh, <laughs> that was good enough. <laughs> good enough for you. But yeah, but you're a footballer. You're always a footballer. That was always your, as far as you're concerned. That was yeah. F football and golf was the sort of pastimes as a schoolboy growing up, and it was, you know, it was idyllic childhood. Really, you, there was no uh, traffic lights. There was no cinema. There was uh, nothing really in Stranraer apart from the the ferry port. And you went and played golf, and you played local football. And from local football, we sort of branched out the local team and the school team. And that got, as I said before, that got a little bit of notice. And eventually, I ended up at Air United Boys Club. Right. And that was really the avenue to play in front of scouts. <coughs> right. And, and we'd play Celtic Boys Club, normal yeah. stuff, Rangers. Yeah. Or associated teams to Rangers. Yeah. And um, that was really the start. And you're still playing golf? Um, starting up again. Really? So, uh, yeah, I was actually, I was up there uh, yesterday and I played my old course. So it's it's amazing how um, you know where to hit the ball and certain trees have grown a little bit bigger. So that <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not as easy as it used to be. No. So from Mansfield, it was Lou Macari who took you to Swindon. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, Lou Macari took over at Swindon. They were uh, both in Division 4. And uh, I was actually on the golf course <laughs> uh, during the summer and I get home and uh, my mother told me Lou McCarry had rang up, he was going to ring back. So quite excited about that. McCarry being ex-Celtic, Scotland International, yeah. ex-Manchester United, fairly probably the most famous manager in uh, Division 4 at that time. So um, he then offered me a contract uh, to, to go to Swindon. So... My contract had ran out at Mansfield. Mm -hmm. I'd, they'd offered me, I think, £50 a week. And Steve Whitworth, who played for Leicester in England, said, whatever they offer you, don't don't sign it. 
So I said no to Ian Greaves, who was the manager. And he said, well, what do you want? I said, uh, well, I've been asked to ask for a signing on fee. He says, yeah, you can have whatever you want. He said, do you want £1,000? I says, that'd be nice. He says, right, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll make it £30 a week and you can have £1,000 <laughs> as a signing on fee. So when I did the mathematics, I didn't think I was any better off. Yeah. So I hesitated and, and during that hesitation, uh, Macari came in for me and it caused a bit of a stink. No, you wouldn't have heard about it at the time, but Mansfield weren't too happy. Yeah. And I joined Swindon. Yeah. And then the Swindon story is quite something, isn't it, Pete? It is really, you know, when you think, you know, Division 4 as well. And then they made Division 1 within five seasons, I think it was. So an incredible success story. Yeah, I mean, we had um, everything Lou did was wrong in a modern term. He, yeah. he didn't give anyone confidence. He didn't, uh, <laughs> oh, right. he didn't train tactically. But what he did do, which is, uh, is, is really stuck in my memory and my mind, is, is the fitness that he put you through. So we got absolutely beasted for probably five years, got told we weren't any good. And somehow that galvanised a team spirit. But where he was excellent was he, he was um, very shrewd in the types of people that he brought to the club and he did really well for Swindon in terms of uh, bringing players in for almost no money right? and then selling them on. And we, we won the first, first year, won Division 4 with 102 points after, I think, one win in the first five games and then he accused everyone of drinking too much. <laughs> so, <laughs> which was... Uh, which was true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when he got to grips with that and we got going, we, I mean, we had a wonderful season, uh, 102 points, a record tally at that time. Yeah. Yeah, after, after only winning one of the first five games? Yeah. We, That's we had, incredible. Yeah, we had a terrible start. So um, the headline in the paper on a, for a Friday night game uh, was, I don't know what my line-up will be until I smell their breath. <laughs> 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 I'm sure that was the case with most teams in those days, you know. There's yeah. quite a bit of drinking going. Well, we were, we were in digs, right. which was right at the corner of the ground. There was four of us in digs, and uh, on the first night, um, there was an experienced player in there. I won't tell you who it was, but he had a young lady come round about seven o'clock. So we entertained her for an hour and a half and then kicked her out just before nine because someone else was coming at half past nine. <laughs> what? <laughs> So that preparation didn't bode too well for him. No. Uh, and he, he, he left shortly. And, and you know, we, we, were, we were just, uh, we were driven by the manager. Right. And although he said, you're no good, you can't play football. Our style was very much like Wimbledon's at the time. Yeah. Very direct and horrible to play against. But we would run through brick walls for the manager just because we'd earn a little bit more money out of it. Yeah. Oh, is that what it... I was just trying to work out what incentivises you. If you've got a guy there who's accusing you of all sorts of things and telling you you're shit, yeah. I'm thinking, what's, what makes you want to play for him? But he'd, he'd created a, 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 a kind of structure of incentives, so financial incentives. Yeah, no, very, very clever. It was, um, it was a gambler, yeah. which led to the problems, which we probably will touch on a little bit later. Um, but... We used to used to bet on what the next advert would be as we were sitting watching <laughs> television, and he would run the book, and we'd go to an army camp before league cup games, probably around about this time, of the season, and it would be a, a snooker tournament, a grand prix, 
and the uh, Arc de Triomphe. So we were in a, an army camp before we played Sheffield Wednesday, who were r- uh, riding high at the top of League One Premiership as such. And uh, so we, he, he ran a book with who would win the snooker, what the score would be, who would win the Grand Prix, and who would win the Arc de Triomphe. And somebody had uh, had all three bets up, so he had 13-12 for Neil Foles to win the snooker. He won the horse race. His money then went on to the Grand Prix. The Grand Prix, he won the Grand Prix. So he was sitting sitting there hoping that Neil Foles would win 13-12, and then he was going to win probably just under £2,000 for around about a £4 bet. Off Lou. Off Lou. So Lou was trying everything on the Sunday night on a black and white TV in an army barracks to get the boy to offer him £150. There you go. Because the <laughs> score off, was obviously yeah. 11-9 or... <laughs> but he uh, he stuck to his guns until it went 12 all, and then he took 500 he took quid. <laughs> he took 500. And what happened? Did he? Would he have won the? He big... would have won. Yeah, oh. he would have won. I could just imagine seeing Lou's face. You know? And that, that that type of thing, if you imagine, there's uh, 20 grown men in bunk beds in an army barrack watching a black and white portable TV <laughs> that's got all fuzzy, yeah. and you really want him to take £2,000 off the <laughs> yeah. manager. That keeps you together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, of course, he went, and he was replaced, I think I'm right in saying, by Osvaldo Ardiles. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, uh, my real fortune was the quality of managers at Swindon. Yeah. So although although I'm quite disparaging about Lou, he's, he's he's the one who really set me on my path. Yeah. With a bit of focus and certainly in, in, uh, increasing my fitness potential, and then luckily Ozzy came in. Yeah. And it was a, a total change of style, mm-hmm. and he gave everybody confidence. He just told you you could play and you were good, and. Uh, the, the very first home game after sort of four years, five years of direct football. Yeah. As soon as the goalie got it, we sprint the halfway line under Lou. We played Leeds in a pre-season friendly. The goalie caught it and rolled it out to the left back. And the crowd, I kid you not, the crowd in the county ground went, <gasps> <laughs> They'd never seen anything like it for a while. Wow. I mean, talk about, I mean, that is absolutely chalk and cheese star-wise, isn't it? I mean, exactly, yeah. What were your first impressions of Aussie? Well, I was, um, I was actually, we were away on holiday. And my son's in the audience. He, he wasn't born at that time. And my mother-in-law, when we rang up and said, yeah, Osvaldo Dillis is going to be the next manager. And I said, your mum don't know what she's talking about, probably. <laughs> but she was right. So we got back and Aussie Dillis was manager and... Um, you know, his mantra was play, 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 play. You pass the ball, you give the ball. And one of his very first speeches in for one of the league games was, uh, Fraser, Fraser, you get the ball, you catch the ball, you give it to Dave. Dave, pass the ball, you give it to Colin, 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 you give it to Sean. Sean, give the ball to Dave. You pass, you play, boys. You play all the time. You play, you pass, pass, pass. No problem. No problem at all. When they get the ball, and the left back get the ball, you push everybody. Push, 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 push. If he come out and hit the ball to the right winger, we go, fucking hell, you good player. <laughs> <laughs> Football's a simple game, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> and he, he, I think Ozzy was helped by Lou's uh, foundation yeah. of, mm-hmm. of the group. Um, but he added 
extra layers of confidence and style and uh, when we had a wonderful year ending up beating Sunderland in the playoff final. Yeah. And got to Division One. But Yes. <laughs> yeah, so what was that 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 terrible um you know scandal if you like? What was that like from a player's point of view? Well what happened uh to help attract players to Swindon at the time, there was certain incentives. So, um, as you, if you went to Swindon, you got an incentive. There was a contract, and the FA determined that everything you received had to be in the contract. But what went on in those days was, outside of your contract, lots of clubs would give you a little incentive, whether that be the availability of a car or an extra £500 or a win bonus or a clean sheet bonus. Things like that. So we, uh, we we got that when we joined, and that was part of the reason why I left Mansfield to go to Swindon. Um, and then, as we did fairly well in cup competitions, um, and another incentive, so he would add another layer of bonuses on to league games, and would say, if you win, if you take seven points out of the next three games, there's an extra uh, thousand pounds between the team. Mm-hmm. or £500. And simple things in the early days was that the, the board would give 25 quid to man of the match. that They would decide if we won the game away from home. Mm-hmm. So all, all those types of things are illegal. Is that because of tax that they're illegal? Because of tax yeah. and in, in fairness to everyone else. If you, do your, if you run your club to the letter of a contract and the law, yeah. then it's unfair for those, those clubs to incentivise other people um, in the same way and, and probably we got one or two players we might not have got right I see. so I, I think the total amount we we actually was probably just under 100,000 but there was probably 200 250 offences but there was a player at Chelsea received 150,000 tax free one offence, and they didn't get relegated. Because it was just the one offence. That is what yeah. they say, but you yes. rather suspected it was because they were a bigger yeah. club. It was because it was a bigger club, and they only found out about one, one offence. And there was a bit of infighting between the, the board, and there was a, a group, a, a consortium, wanted to take over. And the secretary at the club gave the, um, gave the information to this board, who then gave it to the press. And the thing that really sort of knocked it. We played Newcastle in the FA Cup. Fourth or fifth round away from home, Mirandina Gascoigne were in the Newcastle wow. team. And what Lou did, which is uh, his gambler's instinct, mm. so if we if we drew, we'd have a replay and probably on television. If we won, we'd have the next round of the Cup. If we lost, we didn't get any bonus or anything, mm. or no, um, no bonus or no money back as such. Mm. So they, they, his... His way around that was to take a bet on Newcastle yeah. to insure himself against bonuses and the possibility. Okay, so that's obviously a big no-no, isn't it? Yeah, that, so that was, but it looks terrible where it, it's, it looks as if the chairman has had a bet on the opposition yeah. in yeah. a fairly high-level game. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and we get beat 5-1. Uh, wow, that, doesn't, that that's not, doesn't look good. It doesn't look good, but we were, what were we then? We were a championship team and they would have been... They would have been a premiership team yeah. as such. So they, yeah. were, they were better than us. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, uh, once that bet's taken place oh, and once you've lost big, yeah. I mean, yeah, look, you can't prove anything up again. And then, fortunately, Gascoigne 
eases the pain because he becomes such a talented player and wonderful player and they had Merendina in their team as well at yeah. that stage. So, yeah, yeah. You know, we were we were we weren't lambs to the slaughter, but we didn't we didn't very often get beat by that number of goals. No, no. no. Was was that the first time you played against Paul? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah. Did he did did he seem like a special talent even then? Do you remember? Not really, no. I don't don't it didn't bother me. It didn't he's no interest to me at that stage. Yeah, yeah, you just, just some Yeah, he's just just an opposition. He wasn't even famous, was he really? No, I mean, no. Yeah. He was he was one of them that you wanted to nail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a little known fact is that Tony Galvin was the manager for a very, very short spell, wasn't he? Between Ardiles and Oddle? Well, to, yeah. Tony so, uh, Tony came in with Aussie. Yeah, and then he, he sort of he was big caretaker. I, I don't know if he might have done one game. I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, he, definitely the most untidiest manager in football history. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? He was just a bit of a. He was, he was an educated tramp, Tony. Right. He was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he sat in that very seat. He's, he's, he was. Brilliant. He's a really educated guy. Yes. Really yeah. knows the game. Yeah. But he's uh, he don't give two hoots about how he dresses or no. looks. Well, he's one of those straight-talking Yorkshiremen who doesn't, is, yeah. give, doesn't give two hoots about what anyone thinks about it. <laughs> he just tells you what he thinks, and that's it. Um, all right, well, then, uh, tell us about Glenn. But, um, so we, we, we won promotion, beat Sunderland. So the four teams in the playoffs at that yeah. time were uh, Blackburn, Sunderland, Newcastle, and little old Swindon beat them all. Then we get demoted. Mm because of those things. We eventually fought and get back into League One or yeah. the Championship. Yeah. That's, that's the easiest way to describe it. Yeah. Um, but then the, uh, just after the start of the next season, I, I think uh, Newcastle, funnily enough, came in for Aussie and Aussie went there. Yeah. And we were having a bit more of a struggle because we'd had to sell two or three players to pay a lot of the bills mm. and obviously pay some of the fines that were and 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 some players said well I'm a premiership player I want to go and play there and they did yeah so uh, we had a, a troubled season the next season it wasn't easy at all and Glenn came in after that so I mean, when I talk about luck to Vlu then Ozzy then Glenn yeah it was for a for a team like Swindon a football league team I don't think there'll be another team will have that level of person again yeah. They then went and took Steve McMahon, which is another one, you right, know, it's yeah. wonderful pedigree. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we mean presumably Glenn and Ozzy were cut from the same cloth in terms of their approach and the football they wanted to play, right? Yeah, been all three of them, Lou started in the team and then got injured fairly quick. Ozzy started in the team as well and got out mm. very quick. Mm. Uh and Glenn Came, he hadn't been playing as much, just he'd been at Chelsea. Yeah. So he came to play in between two centre-halves and um, uh, he played the whole time. And, and that was, you know, I've, not only to have him as a manager, um, but then to have him as a, a teammate and play alongside him. So it's very humbling when you think you're a good footballer and simple passing drills are getting executed because that's a, a lot, we did a lot of technical work. Five yards, ten yards, twenty yards, left foot, right foot. Hit him on the thigh, hit him on the chest, hit him so he heads it, all that type of stuff. And Glenn could, Glenn could deliver left and right foot. And we all thought we were good players until you get someone of that level who could just consistently yeah. 
that's almost a recurring theme with Glenn, isn't it? Because they, yeah. they said it was like that when he was the manager of England, didn't they? Where yeah. They said he'd, they'd go into training and all, he was better than all the players, which yeah. is extremely unusual. Yeah, and, and the, the story is that people got the hump with that, but they, they might have got the hump. But what are they getting the hump with? I, yeah. don't, I don't really understand What's he supposed that. to do, yeah? He's, um, he's got a talent... And I, I didn't encounter any of the stories that come out afterwards about they, they felt they demeaned some players because he, he said, can't you do this and all that type of thing. He could do it and he, exa- he, he displayed that. Yeah. But he also taught us. Yeah. And we trained. We tried to get better. Yeah. So whatever level you're at, you can try and get better. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's quite an extraordinary system to play in any division, actually, to play with a sweep because he was essentially a sweeper, wasn't he? And sweeper was a term that, had, even by that time, was was rarely around, was it? There weren't many sweepers around. There'd never been many sweepers around in, in English British football. And and he sort of built. He'd finally managed to get in a team that was built around him because he built. He decided it, didn't it? And by the sound of it, it worked an absolute. Well, we know it worked yeah. a treat. Whether you thought it, whether it looked good or not, I mean, it got. It was incredibly successful, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the systems were um, direct from Lou, whatever formation that was. It, there wasn't really too much science behind it. Yeah. it, was, it was, if you could get 12 on the pitch, we would have had 12 on the pitch. Ozzy came and played with a diamond, which was um, when you look at a lot of the modern football, and uh, I explained about that, press, press, press. Yeah. I and mean, Teams have been doing it before Ozzy brought it to Swindon and, mm. and Tottenham. Uh, and then Glenn came and he's, he wanted to play three at the back with him in between. Mm. And so what he had was, and he also went and recruited, and I think he used some of his own money to bring a boy in on the left side of defence for us called Sean Taylor, who was ex- really good in there, really strong in there. So um, he had two meatheads. Well, he had one meathead on the left and he had a real slow one on the right-hand side, which was me. <laughs> so, um, and we, we were the uh, teams would come and try and play one up front. And it was, uh, that used to be hilarious, so... They would play one up front, three defenders against one is a very easy equation. That mm. So what would happen then is uh, he'd go and play wherever he wanted. He'd go and play number 10, playing midfield. Right. So if they played one up front, we just had two centre-halves and he would go and play elsewhere. Yeah. And that used to cause more havoc. So teams, yeah. <laughs> teams were probably better playing two yeah. up front against us. Yeah. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Got up through another playoff final, of course. And what a game that was! That must be one of the mem- most memorable games, was it, for you? Yes, yes, it is. I think if if there's anything that I'm proud of, it's not the Scot. It's of course the Scotland caps yeah. and playing for Tottenham that comes into it. But the the journey of Swindon going mm. from Division Four, fifteen hundred fans to fifteen thousand, eighteen thousand in a stadium and winning promotion twice. Yeah. In the top league, that's that. I think that's achievement for me. Yeah. I, I'm really proud of that. Yeah. And then the association with Glenn and, and Ozzy has has really helped me as I've sort of developed beyond my football career. Yeah. Yeah. But the um, we beat 
we were three nothing up after probably an hour against Leicester, and um, fifteen minutes later it was three all. <laughs> Which uh, makes your bottom twitch. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then we got a penalty with about eight minutes to go, scored the penalty. So not only one of the best games I've been involved in, but also one of the best nights I've ever had, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Bloody hell. Well, let's talk, about, let's talk about Tottenham then. Yeah. So, 93. Yeah. And uh, Aussie comes calling again. Yeah, I mean... So previous to that, Glenn had uh, brought me into the office and said, um, there's a contract offer there. Don't sign it. So uh, I looked at it. He said, just don't sign it. So we left it. Come the end of the season, I think he obviously had an idea that he might be moving on. And um, I didn't sign it. So come the end of the season, we'd won promotion. We were back in what was now the Premiership. And... Uh, I was out of contract and Ozzy came calling and Glenn actually asked me to go and talk to him at Chelsea as well. Right. But Ozzy had been, uh, probably because Neil Ruddock was leaving, it looked as if he, well, he did, yeah. he was going yeah. to Liverpool. Yeah. So that, and he he said, um, I want you to come to Tottenham. So, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't smooth and it didn't happen very quickly and... We were back in pre-season and I almost I was getting pretty nervous that it might not happen if Neil doesn't leave and go to Liverpool, then it won't happen, etc., etc. You, then you're replacing quite an iconic figure in the club. Yeah. The chance to, to go the whole journey with Swindon, that also it would have been a testimonial for me as well, which would have been that would have been some sort of lucrative money, I, I presume. Yeah, because looking at the stats, I saw that you played 330 times for Swindon. You know, that's yeah, I had, pro- I had probably five years in a row where I played every game. Yeah, wow, it's incredible, you know, yeah. fitness wise. Yeah, um, so Aussie, Aussie wanted me to go up, and then a couple of nights before I was going to go and come up here and meet Aussie at White Hart Lane, Glenn rang up and said, Listen, when you go to Tottenham, come over and talk to me. So that was going to be my Monday morning. Right. And I went to White Hart Lane, met Ozzy. Um, the contract was fairly easy to sort out. And um, I had a look around the stadium. Um, so the, my agent at the time was the PFA agent. And he said, right, well, um, we, we'll go over and have a chat with Glenn. And I said, we'd played Chelsea a couple of times in league football at Swindon. So... And the stadium was the old Chelsea Stadium. Yeah, yeah. And I walked into White Hart Lane and looked at that and I thought, smells a bit different, this. Yeah. <laughs> so I rang Glenn up and said, listen, I'm, I'm not going to come over. I'm going to sign here. Yeah. And he said, listen, just come over. You never know what you, you'll get offered. Yeah. And I said, no, Glenn, I'm, I'm happy here. So I ended up staying there and signing. Was he cross? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. It's less... I think Ozzy had been a, a little bit more proactive. Yeah. And Glenn had maybe been sitting in the background waiting a, a little bit. You can't always go after. Um, anyway, the circumstances was no. I, I wouldn't say he was. No. Uh, well, you know what's what, what's funny about that is, of course, Glenn is a is a Tottenham man and a Tottenham fan. Mm. So he's, he's, he's on the phone. He's got to try and in some way say to you, no, no, you don't want to get a Tottenham. You want to come over here to Chelsea. It's almost like... But he'd, he'd gone through the similar conversation, hadn't he? Because he'd been you know, offered the Chelsea job 
I think around the time of the playoff. Yes. So he knew that. Whether that had anything to do with him saying to you, don't yeah, sign, yeah. don't yeah. sign. Yeah. May yeah. have been, may not have been. But um, he said, he told the story that he, when he went to Chelsea and had a look around, he said it was like a dump. You know, his <laughs> yeah. desk was in a corridor. That's right. He had to use a payphone to do all his deals. Yeah. And he said, was it the washerwoman came in and said, oh, Mr Hoddle, on the first day, can you buy me a washing machine? That's please? right. You and know? he did. He went out and bought he one himself, bought didn't he? a washing yeah. machine out of his own pocket. You know? Yeah, yeah. So... But he, he'd been approached by Tottenham, hadn't he? And he, he honestly turned around and said, no, I'm not going to sign for Tottenham. I've already given my word to Chelsea right. that I'm going to sign for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So you end up at Tottenham. It's a strange time at Tottenham because there's still the turmoil post-Venables, uh, isn't there? It's politically, it's difficult. That's why Ruddock left, of course, yeah. and others left. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it certainly it wasn't uh, all bells and whistles when I moved in. And uh, probably on because I was out of contract, it went to a tribunal. Mm. So um, if you, I can tell you a story. So we go in Alan Sugar's car to uh, the tribunal. Peter Barnes sits in the front, and uh, Stevie Perryman's in the back with me. And so we go, and I don't know what they thought it was going to be, but they didn't expect it to be one and a quarter million. I know that. Right. Because the phone call in the front as we came out was to Peter Barnes to Alan Sugar was, uh, yes, Chairman, yes, yes, it's all done. Yeah, it's gone through. One and a quarter million. And then there's a deathly silence. <laughs> and I'm sat in the back and I'm thinking, he's not too happy with this. <laughs> and uh, Peter Barnes then utters the famous words, no, 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 we can't get out of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> Typical sugar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's be yeah. so weird. Because, of course, this is pre-Bosman, right? Uh, yes. Because if it, it, because nowadays you end it, you're out of contract, none of that would have uh, happened, would it? You, no, you, no. The, that million and a quarter would have been yours. Yeah. Said he wouldn't have, he'd have given you something else. Yeah. But yeah. It's a strange. Uh, it's, a, it's a definitely a, of its time, that isn't it? That that. Process. Yeah, I, mean, I think the on the panel for the tribunal was uh, John Sellett, right? Who'd been a commentator through. Thorn in our side, yeah, already. Right. He had been, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, but he'd been a sort of co-commentator on the championship, right. and uh, those games had been on live on the television a lot. So the, we'd we'd played a a lot of fairly decent games. And he was the one who really bumped the fee up. And then, unbeknown to me, they, they produced uh, an offer from Rangers and they oh. produced an offer from somebody else that they turned down of, oh, sort of 4,000, right. 400,000, 700,000. So, right. And I had no idea that had even happened. They hadn't even told you, which, no. is, which in itself no. is... And, and that's the change of days. You would yeah. obviously know about that. You yeah. Probably your agent would have been on it. Yeah. They'd have contacted an agent. So. Yeah. Would that have changed your mind if you'd known about it? Um, Rangers would have been tempting, I suspect. No, no, no. Well, of course, of course, to a certain degree. But uh, I had previous with Rangers, oh. so uh, I'd signed for Mansfield, and then I, I played in a tournament up in Scotland, and a Rangers scout approached me and, and basically offered me a, a ground staff apprenticeship contract. Um, and then he, he said, "What school do you go to?" And I said, Stranraer Academy. Ah. So Scotland, uh, it's a mixed school. So Protestant Catholics yeah. went, because it's a rural school. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, he said, well, don't worry about your Mansfield contract. It's null and void because you're still at school. So my dad, did be, he was on the ferry working. He said, I'll speak to your dad when he comes, when he gets off. So about three days later, he comes off and uh, the Ranger Scout rings up. And my dad said, no, he's, he can't come because he's signed for Mansfield. Well, Mr Caldwell, don't worry about it. We can get that null and void because he's still at school. And he said, no. You asked him what religion he was. No, we never, we never. Well, I think he didn't put the phone down, so. Right. I had a three-year offer at Rangers at 16, and he turned it down for me. Right, on the principle, because he, yeah. he objected to that. which yes, is, which is It was an honourable thing to do, actually. Very, yeah. very good, very good. Yeah. A good standard setting for myself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, that first season, um, so Ruddock's gone. So, they, yeah. they, Aussie brought in quite a lot of players, actually. Jason Dizel, this, this is a... Quite a uh, quite a rogues gallery in some ways. <laughs> Jason Dizel, at vast expense, if I remember rightly, he was he was an expensive acquisition, was, wasn't yeah. he? Mm. Dozy, Darren Kasky. Well, Darren Kasky, I thought had come through the ranks, but anyway, yeah, 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 he did did. yeah. but he yeah. brought him into the team anyway. Steve Carr, who was a good player, obviously. Kersley, another right back who'd come, who you knew from Swindon, right? Yeah, Aussie, Aussie knew him from Swindon, yeah. so we. Um, uh, Rocket Ronnie Rosenthal, yeah, and Kevin Scott, who you would be playing with in the in the back four, right? Yeah. So they all um, made debuts that season. It was going to take. Obviously, that's tough to put a team together that many new signings. Was that was that something you remember it being difficult to gel? I found it very difficult. Mm. Um, uh, the transition from being sort of skipper and and fairly confident in your own ability and playing for Swindon and winning most weeks mm. and then been under a lot more spotlight you're, you're soon aware of a difference in size and and the level of player that you actually play with and then against mm. uh, and you know it probably I, I I think I got to around about Christmas and then after Christmas I wasn't in the team because I hadn't, I hadn't done well enough right so um it was it wasn't an easy start, and there was still the rumblings from scholar and sugar and yeah, yeah. And, and all that. And it, yeah. you wouldn't say everyone was aligned in supporting the club and having one cause at that time. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the main problem was I, I didn't get to the level. So that when you look back now, um, I, I can say it, but at that time I was well shot, and I didn't do well enough for the manager. So. Uh, because I'd played virtually every game for Swindon for a number of seasons and then I was out of the team so I went I went to Aussie and um, I said listen I know I'm out of the team I ain't done well put my hands up but I'd rather go out and play can I go on loan so he opened the drawer and said you're going freaking nowhere look at these letters why you sign this shit player he says you flicking stay near <laughs> so, so I had to stay I didn't play again that season but he left me in no uncertain terms I was going to have to sit and uh, suffer a wee bit so these letters what do you mean the letters were from fans yeah I would that, imagine yeah? yeah Yeah. unless he was yeah. at it I don't Bloody. think he was no no <laughs> I mean god it was a funny time I mean you know, we're all sitting in the stands. It was just one drama and one... Di- I mean, and the thing about Aussie, what Aussie has said, actually, interestingly, and we're going to come on to, because the next season was obviously completely different and a, a ha- an unbelievable roller coaster, which we'll talk about in a minute. But if you look at that list, like I said, I mean, you ended up, as we'll come on to, being a good, a very good player that got in the team and stayed in the team, as, as it ch- turned out. But some, you know... 
Dizelle was not a popular signing. Kerslake wasn't a popular signing. Rocket Ronnie had a certain comedic uh, <laughs> reputation. Maybe fairly, maybe not. Kevin Scott, not that fondly remembered. And what Ozzy is... Uh, I, when people have asked Ozzy about his managerial career, which after... To- you know, he got fired at Tottenham, he didn't... He always says his one weakness was judging players to buy. That's what he says his weakness was. What, what do, you th- do you think that's fair? Well, when you read that list, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I mean, he had a little bit of bad luck as well, because, I mean, Teddy got clattered, didn't he, up at Old Trafford. Oh, yeah, yeah. um, Fairly early on in the season, I thought, in October. And and also Gary Marbeck got injured against Wimbledon. Oh, yeah, that dreadful assault. You know, that... um, If if I had any chance at that early part, we'd have been playing with uh, Mabs. Yeah. And that stadium influence, and then... Uh, young Saul Campbell was playing left back at the time, um, and then between Kerslake and Dean Austin on on sort of right back, yeah, and then Stephen Carr was coming through. So, um, yeah, um, and then the, the, there was also the, the we missed a lot of penalties there at the beginning of the following season, which cost definitely cost the manager his job. Right. Well. It couldn't have been just that, though. Just a pe- I mean, let's talk about that, because that is one of the most memorable seasons. Because that summer, of course, the World Cup happens. Yeah. I think Sugar's still trying to ingratiate himself in some way with the fans, because the fans hate him after the Venables. So every, everybody's on Venables' side. Everyone hates Sugar. So the first thing he does, of course, as we know, is he brings Aussie in, who we all worship and love, as one of the, and still do, obviously, as one of the greatest players ever to wear the white shirt. So he does that. But they have that strange season, you know, as we've talked about bringing players in. So... Sugar goes out, to his credit in a way, goes out and buys one of the best attacking players in the world at that point. Maybe, you know, one of the two or three best, really, in, Cl- in Jürgen Klinsmann. Ili Dumitrescu, who'd had an incredible World Cup. I can see you're already smiling about Ili Dumitrescu. <laughs> he'd had an incredible World Cup. Who knew that he was, let's say, eccentric? And suddenly he got this famous fight. But what I remember most, I'm going to cut straight to the chase. What I remember about that early part of that season where we got... The famous five, you know, yeah. Dimitrescu, Klinsman, Sheringham, Anderton and Barmby. Which, is, I mean, even now, you, you read out those names. These are five incredibly good attacking players. But the, the formation effectively was 4-1-5 and you were the one. Yeah. That's how I remember thinking. Yeah. I'm saying we're playing 4-1-5 here and they've got Colin Calderwood, who is a very good central defender playing the entire midfield on his own. What the hell's going on? Was that, I mean, that must have occurred to you, presumably. Yeah, I mean, that, that was, um, I'd, I'd played that position maybe a few times for, even at Swindon, for certainly Lou, yeah. once or twice, and, and I think I might have filled in for Ozzy or, and Glenn once or twice, but, no, but not very often. Right. But then they do it in, at the beginning of the next season, uh, come the end of the previous season, I had a ch- uh, Celtic come in for me. Right. And they made a bid for me, and I, I was probably thinking I was leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they sacked the manager. I don't know whether that was because he was going to try and sign me, <laughs> but they sacked him before. <laughs> so I ended up, I've come, I'm coming back to Tottenham for pre-season, and I said, give your head a wobble. You might as well just try your hardest yeah. and see what happens. So try to get... Fit, go back to lose days. Get yourself as fit as possible, and don't be don't be scared of failing. Basically, hmm. so went back and did the pre-season, and then uh, Jurgen came 
Ellie came, Zika yeah. joined just after, probably just after that as well. And then that sort of the famous five was born. Yeah. But you, you all know what the other six were called. <laughs> what were they called? <laughs> Shit six. <laughs> but that thing, I mean, what did Ozzy say to you? He said, did he, I mean, cause you, you imagine, you, as you're watching this thing, because sometimes it went great. I remember going to Ipswich away. It was supposed to have been that third or fourth game. I don't know if anyone else remembers that. We were absolutely blinding. And I remember coming away, driving down the A12, thinking... We're going to win the league. We're going to win the cups. We're going to win the World Cup at this. We're so good, you know. But of course, it was an insane. And then I went to Notts County a few weeks later, and yeah. we, we got walloped at Notts County. We were bottom of the second division, you know. Yeah. And that was that was the end of Aussie then. But did it? I mean, to me, it seemed. I'm sure to to a lot of people, it did seem like he'd said to you, "Listen, would you mind playing in midfield on your own?" I mean, yeah. th that's how it felt. Is that yeah. what it was? I mean, what? How did he put it? What What was the idea? I'm. I think he wanted he wanted Saul in at centre half, yeah. And I think uh, young Stuart Stuart Mellicott was the other yeah. centre half at that time as well, yeah. And and basically both fullbacks well had the freedom to go. <laughs> so in essence, it, it was fairly modern, mm. fairly modern system. You know, it's sitting midfielder. Whether that becomes a a midfielder who's more defensive or a centre half who goes in there. So at that stage, he put me in there. I wouldn't say I was the most comfortable. It did get me closer to the goal celebration, so at least I see myself. <laughs> <laughs> at least I see myself on Sky Sports now, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but you, you were in there really to fill when left backs went, when centre halves get pulled out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. But it, wa it wasn't easy. I don't like facing my own goal with the ball. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's hard enough playing a midfield. Anyway, in an attacking team, if you're in, the, if you're at the back of the midfield where you've got to be, you know, keeping it tight, it's very hard to play in midfield if you've only played a handful of games there and not at that level, and it's incredibly hard to play if you're on your own. It just felt like you were on your own. I mean, did, did you not say to him, "Listen, Ozzy, I'm going to need some help here"? Um, no, no. <laughs> it was, and even the previous season with. Uh, me and me and Mabs together, we weren't, wouldn't be blessed with the most amount of pace, mm. and we certainly weren't blessed with the most amount of defensive cover from a fullback or a centre midfielder. Yeah, and we were fairly open, and yeah. we went. We certainly went for it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, people are, are then very critical when you lose a game. Yeah, a bit like <laughs> Gareth Southgate at the minute. He plays, yeah. with, plays with three wingers. Last before the weekend, he gets criticised for being defensive. Yeah. So it's it's what spin you want to put on it. Yeah, yeah. But the crux of it is you've got to you've got to do better results wise rather than just be yeah. entertaining and lose a game. Yeah, and of course, I mean, I, I, I'm, I suppose what I'm trying to get at is, as players, were you thinking, you know, this is great. We see what Ozzy's trying to do. He's great, but this isn't good. This is this is only going one way because that's how it seemed to us. I mean, that not. Yeah, I, mu I must game. admit, I, I, I think. I probably felt the sort of um, the attraction, and you could, this is wonderful to play in it yeah. in the season. And you know, I think we were we get uh, maybe ghosted into probably thinking we were maybe a bit better on what we are. There was too many deficiencies. Yeah. Too many ways that teams once they sussed us out a little bit. Can you stop? It's very hard to stop the ones up the top, but. I mean, some some of the football that was played was excellent. Yeah. Some of the players that I had to play I've played with were 
unbelievable and I'm, I'm very fortunate. Yeah, I mean, when Klinsman came in, was what, what was that like? Was he, uh, I mean, obviously we know what he was like as a player. I mean, you know, that moment at Sheffield Wednesday where he scores the goal and all that, one of the great moments and all that. But what was he like as a presence in the, in the club? Um, very, very simple, very, very uh, down to earth. Um, there would be lots of things you would look at and think technically he's not so much better than right. if you were doing a technical practice than anybody else. But then certain things like some of the finishing between sort of uh, Teddy and him and his ability in matches especially mm. to just look a different level from everyone else. I think that was the telling thing. You you probably didn't see it in training. Mm. What we did see when when the man uh, when Jerry came in was mm. um, an unbelievable athleticism when yeah. we, we used to do the running, um, and he just had a, a sort of presence and an aura. But it was very very normal, very very simple, and I, it was good education for me who thought you had to be passionate, bang the drums, hit the kick the door, punch people in the face. <laughs> he, he sat and read the paper until about. 20 past two, right. got up, put the paper down, put his boots on. And little things like he hated the fact that we played with small goals in training. Right. And why would you do that? You have big goals on a Saturday. Yeah. He detested the fact that we used the worst balls to take away for warming up for away games. Right. They should be brand new. They should be new right. balls. So little professional things like that yeah. that just become normal now. He was... he. he he would say, uh, amateurs, amateurs. Really? He actually said that? Yeah. yeah. I remember Darren Anderton telling us that he wasn't that, key, he wasn't that uh, impressed with the medical setup either. And he actually sent Darren Anderton to Germany to see his own specialist in Germany because yeah. he thought that he wasn't getting the right. Yeah, there was a lot of cost-cutting going on at the club at the time. You know, I remember hearing that story about Jürgen saying, I'm not kicking that ball. That's a yeah. rubbish ball. Oh, give me a decent ball mm. to train with. Yeah. I mean, it's not much to ask, is it? No, it's a world class. <laughs> no, but that, that was that was that was basically the culture. You you have you've got so many balls, yeah, and then the ones that get worn out a wee bit for an away game. If you you, you would take your worst balls there, yeah, clean them up a wee bit and go out. So if you lost them in the crowd or they didn't come back, it yeah. didn't matter so much. Right. <laughs> now nowadays that seems what, yeah, what you're worrying about. But at the level I'm at in League Two. We that's still, that stuff still applies. Yeah. yeah, we worry about losing a ball in a warm-up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got everyone else's initials on our balls when we train. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, I just do want to ask you about Dimitrescu because it was such a weird time. It was like there was so much sort of comedic stuff about it in a way. And Dimitrescu, as I recall, I don't know if anyone else remembers this. In my mind, it's such a long time ago now. Sometimes you think your memory's playing tricks on you. But I seem to remember that Dumitrescu's turned out. He's been brought up in Ceausescu's Romania. So he's been brought up in an oppressive regime that never had any money, barely had enough to eat. He goes to the World Cup. He looks brilliant. He gets signed because the curtains come down. He gets signed to Tottenham. They tell him they're going to pay him all this money. He can't believe it. I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that the first weekend he was there, he went to Brent Cross and he got off with a policewoman. Is that right? Does anyone remember that? It was in the tabloids. I can't have imagined this. <laughs> and then, of course, do you, do you remember that? Do you remember anything like that? Well, the, the, the bit I remember about that, there was obviously a tabloid story about Ellie. Okay, thank God I didn't yes. imagine. Yeah. And he got, I think he was in Brokesbourne at the time. Right. 
And he got up in the morning and went and bought all the pay Sunday papers in the, the shop. Right. And then threw them in the bin so his <laughs> wife would... And he thought that would no one would find out. <laughs> that was his understanding of freedom I of the love, press. I love that. I love it. Instinctively, you just knew he was somewhat eccentric, basically. Yeah. So at the, at the beginning, the beginning, we took him up Tottenham High Road to get him open up the bank account. Right. And... Um, Unfortunately for us, we had to look at his wage slip. Right. And uh, we said, signing on fee? Hey, well, no, no, no. Every month. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? yeah, it was a bit different to the rest of us. Really? Yeah. So he's on really big money, was he? He'd have been on, yeah. I mean... Deservedly so as well. Oh, he's a good player. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's a good player. But, you know, you just get the idea that he's come from nothing and he suddenly he looks at this contract and thinks, I'm getting that every month. Whatever happens. Yeah. He's a, he was a film star as well, wasn't he? Yeah. He, was, he used to... We used to pick him up at Wolfham Abbey. Yeah. And go along to Mill Hill when we were um, we're training there, go along M25. So there would be three, four or five of us in the car. And he's trying to learn English. Yeah. And as we're going along, he'd be going, mm. M25, Ellie. <laughs> M, mm, 25. Yeah. <laughs> Good. And... Uh, <laughs> P- P- Potter's Bar Potter's Bar really. Ah Potter's Bar Potter's Bar Ah Un A1 A1 really. Ah A1 So as time went on His English is getting slightly better And we're good We turn off the 25 We, could, we go down the M1 Gary Mabbitt lives Brookman's Park So he's coming down the A1 and he's in his old Merc. He looks like Bobby Ewan. <laughs> Roof off. And he's got his jumper over his shoulders. And he, he, he sort of flies by us as we are pulling on. And one of the best lines I've ever heard from any player. Mabbit. Mabbit. Very fast in car. <laughs> Very slow on pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so it was a total character, wasn't it? Oh, he was, he was. Yeah. But of course, so after Notts County, I think it was, that's when Ozzy gets the sack. Were you, were you all shocked or were you thinking we, we kind of felt this was coming? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think what happens when you're a player, you, you feel the pressure building, and is it building on you as a player? Probably not. And yeah. you realise that when you go into the management or coaching side of it. It's not really building on you. Mm. Um, and it's a horrible situation to be in when you're on that coach and manager side. And so, somehow, sometimes, unfortunately, it just it eases, it eases the bit of the pain for the group that the manager changes. Yeah. And then there's a, a different, there's a freshness. Yeah. Everything's new, yeah. training's better. Everyone says, all oh, this, we're fitter, we know what we're doing, all that rubbish yeah. comes out. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's so much rubbish talked when the manager changes. Nothing really changes apart from there's a different voice and people think they've got a chance again. Yeah, yeah. But Stevie Perriman was uh, interim manager, is that yeah. right, Pete? Yeah, I think he won game, I think. At, yeah, I mean, Steve, Stevie said to me afterwards, because obviously he left with Ozzy as well, and um, Jerry came in and, and we had our defensive record changed and we got, we got better. Yeah. And we had a fairly nice run. So the, I've, I've been quoted in the paper saying, what's the difference? We know exactly what we're doing. Everyone's together on the same page. Yeah. We train hard. 
And then he saw me about two or three months later. He, he said, he says, you're 28 years old. You've played over 500 games of football. And Jerry Francis comes in and you now know what you're doing. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Which is true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was chatting with Steve yesterday. He actually recalled that conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah it sends his regards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's, um, Stevie was really, he, when I first joined, this is quite a funny story. So we'd jog, he'd, he'd be jogging. We'd been twos and we'd be jogging and trying to introduce everyone in the group. And he'd go, uh, Mabs, you played for England? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Under 21s, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he goes, Dan Lannan, Shaggy, you played for it? Yeah, I've played for England, yeah. Under 21s? Uh, no, under 18s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going through the group. Everyone's played. Nicky Barnby, everyone's played for their country. Yeah. Colin, you, you played for Scotland? No. <laughs> you played for the under 21s? No. You play schoolboy? No. What the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> 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 but he's got he's got that barbed wit. Yeah. And yeah. He, uh, he wants to put you. He doesn't want to put you on edge because he was real. Sorry, he was a real good coach. Yeah. Real good man as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, real yeah, good yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. So the whole team again, the whole the way they played t changed overnight, didn't it? Jerry Jerry was all about defending well and building it from the back. So do you you went straight back into the back four, did you? Yeah. 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 With alongside Sol, was it? Soul or or um, Mabs probably as yeah. well. He was yeah. he was back at that stage, but predominantly it would have been Soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how was that? Was that a bit of a relief for you to be back in a position you were more accustomed to? Um, yeah, definitely. And the, uh, it was the game became just a, a lot more simple. Yeah. So there was there was back to basics basically. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, very, very simple. Do this and don't try anything else. And how good was the young Sol Campbell? Um, his, his rate of improvement from playing left-back. In my, my first game, he played left-back at Newcastle away. Right. And he was playing against Rule Fox, and I'm thinking, he's going to tear him a new pair of pants here, I think. Yeah. But he didn't. And his, his ability to be defend against... Every type of striker just became better and better. Mm. Colin, as I say, fantastic uh, privilege to have you here. Thank you ever so much for coming. Thanks for your time and thanks for everything you did for Spurs. Colin Calderwood, everyone. Thank you. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.